welcome to episode 16 of the Biohacking with Brittany podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I have had such an interesting week this week. For those who follow me on social media, probably know. I was in the hospital yesterday. I had something like so weird happen. So I woke up in the middle of the night at around 3.30 and started having this really intense like abdominal pain. And I got up and then I actually threw up about 45 minutes later. And then I went back to bed and tried to sleep and couldn't sleep because the pain didn't go away. And we ended up going to the hospital around six in the morning and we were there for about six hours. It was actually pretty terrible. So it was severe abdominal pain on my left side. So your right side is your appendix which is like what most people think of right away when you say like severe abdominal pain like that. So it wasn't my appendix. And they started doing all these tests. So they did like a blood test and a urine test, looking at like my blood count and seeing if I was pregnant because the symptoms sounded like a etropic or atropic pregnancy where you become pregnant outside of the uterus and then the fetus grows and it causes abdominal pain. It's actually very dangerous. It's one of the leading causes for maternal mortality is that type of pregnancy, but it wasn't that. And which I'm grateful for, for sure. And they tested other things as well. They looked at my gallbladder. They looked if it was a cyst that had formed or ruptured, which when cysts rupture, they usually cause a lot of pain, but it wasn't any of that. So I don't know what it was. I threw up at the hospital three more times and had eaten nothing. I had barely any water, was super dehydrated. They put me on an IV with this drug. I think it's called like diomorphane. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's like five times stronger than morphine. So they put me on that and they put me on IV fluids and like electrolytes and they put me on gravel as well just to help with the nausea, which was interesting being on that many drugs at once. Yes, I don't know what it was. So if anyone has any insight on left abdominal pain, basically like I couldn't stand straight. So if the abs were stretched out, like if I was lying down when they were doing the ultrasound or when I was standing, it was like the worst pain ever. And I was like crying the whole time. It was terrible. So the whole time I was in the hospital or like on a chair, like sitting down, cramped over, just trying to like make it better by not like stretching them out. And so I have no idea if it was the organs, if it was like, it definitely wasn't food poisoning because I've had food poisoning before and it didn't feel like that it was not nearly as painful. I didn't have a fever either. If you have a fever that can indicate things like parasites or some sort of bacteria infection going on. So I'm not sure. I am feeling better today, like not 100%, but I'm definitely feeling better. So if you have any insight or if this has happened to you, let me know, like shoot me a message. I'd love to chat just so that if it happens again, I can kind of be more prepared or, or understand it better. So yeah, thanks for anyone who reaches out about it. Now for today's episode, we have Jeremy and Daniel on from the company called Nature Remedies. And basically what they're doing is they're taking the problem of finding natural health practitioners when traveling and creating a online marketplace for them and connecting the client with the consultant. And it's really cool. I am hoping to join their platform in a few months when I'm up and running as a registered holistic nutritionist. I'm hoping for January if I can finish my final exam by then. 
And yeah, I'm just really looking forward to being on their platform because it's so easy to use and user-friendly and it's really great. So we talk all about that and we talk about travel, nutrition hacks and fitness while traveling and supplements and things that they've found that's really helped them. So I hope you get a lot out of this episode. I look forward to having you join me next week. Thanks. Great. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have Daniel and Jeremy Zetuni with me. We connected quite a while ago. Basically, they reached out asking about kind of what I do and if I'm taking clients and like if I'm building my practice yet, because they essentially have built a platform that connects potential clients with healthcare practitioners globally, which is great because it can be quite a hurdle trying to connect with people around the world. So they've kind of taken this on and created software that helps with that. Welcome to the podcast, guys. I'd love to have you introduce yourselves and kind of like take us on the journey of how you got to this point. Hey, everyone. I'm Daniel. Hey, Brittany. Hey, guys. I'm Jeremy. Thanks for having us on the pod. Okay, so I'll get us yeah, started. My background is in the field of natural health and natural care. I did a degree in what is technically called natural health and wellness and beauty. And it was in a working clinic that we would actually see patients. And we would do quite a lot of conventional things like blood work and urinalysis and stuff like that. Just the treatment would be all natural. So we would be using herbs and supplements and nutrition and body work. We would even give out like physical exercise regimes and stuff like that. And the results that we saw were absolutely amazing. And everything was completely drug-free. And after I finished studying there, I wanted to see how I can incorporate that into a much larger, bigger picture or even on a global world scale. And that's where the idea for our platform came about which is a online virtual, you could call it a clinic, but it's more of a marketplace where consultants and clients can connect and be in touch via the web. Yeah, and I joined with Daniel shortly afterwards. We both started to travel around the world. We were in South America, we were in Africa, we were in the Far East. We're thinking how we'd be able to let Daniel keep practicing what he studied, and we came up with this idea My history is not necessarily in the field of natural health and wellness, even though I do swim, take care of my body, but my background is more in terms of content management and production, a bit of uh, HR and marketing, but mainly, mainly in terms of content, which is why this connection is so good because the platform itself, Nature Remedies, in case we didn't mention it, is a content based platform. Consultants can write the content. And via this content, people can come to the site, they read the articles, and then they can book video sessions with consultants. So this is where I come in in terms of the content management system on the platform, whereas Daniel is more in terms of uh, product and development. So it's a good connection that we have, in addition to being brothers, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. And Nature Remedies, like I've gone through the site and the platform, and it's, it's really robust, and you guys have done a great job. So what are like some of the issues or like commonalities that you guys are seeing with clients coming to your site? Like what type of health trends and issues are you seeing? Like, I'm just so curious that like, it's a global platform, right? So is it repetitive or is it just kind of like all over the map? 
I would say it's a bit more repetitive than all over the place. The things that are, are most common these days are pretty much what's most common in, in the Western world, and that's allergies, high cholesterol, high blood sugar, diabetes. And it's usually all from the lifestyle that we have nowadays, and it's all the access to fast food and pesticide food and not having a physical lifestyle. I just want to interject for a second, Daniel, and point out it's really important to say that we personally have no access to any of the health information that the clients tell the consultants. We have no access to the videos. So what Daniel is talking about now, it's solely based on the sessions booked with the consultants and our knowledge of the consultants in terms of what they treat and what the area of specialty is, and not from the side of the client where we have no access to any of the information. Yeah, that's great. It's great that you guys have that like privacy set up uh-huh. so that yeah. people can feel like comfortable. 100%. Um, and it's just like super professional, of course. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I, I think it's hard like when you're traveling or, you know, just out of these places that have really easy alternative healthcare, it's hard to kind of find somebody who can yeah. really help. And like, even like I've traveled quite a lot and I couldn't imagine like trying to be in a different country and be like, I need a nutritionist or a naturopath. And like, where do I go? There's just so much unknown when you're traveling. And I think like you guys really just like nailed down that issue. And like just with the increase of travelers and digital nomads and people kind of getting away from working a nine to five in an office downtown, like it's so different right now, like the workspace and yeah, the work world is changing so much. So it's, it's really, yeah, it's really inspiring that like you've created a healthcare uh, platform that kind of like goes with that. So if somebody was to go into nature remedies and kind of like look through these different blogs and stuff that you have, they can just kind of like book with any practitioner they see fit, or do you guys have recommendations? At the moment, we don't recommend or we don't pair between clients and practitioners. We want that connection to be on the client side to what they connect on on a personal level with said consultant. So if a client sees a consultant or an article or a video that one of the practitioner has made and they really feel like, oh, I really connect to what the message they're bringing across, I want to schedule a session with them because it touched me on a personal level. So that's the way that we want to see it evolve over time and not so much by pairing somebody up that you don't connect with. What we do plan to introduce in the future at some point is a rating system like with any of these marketplace platforms, you know, uh, Yelp, Uber, Airbnb, there will be some kind of feedback system in place. It's not there just yet though. Yeah, that's definitely smart. So you guys have traveled quite a lot yourselves, it sounds like. A lot. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So healthy tips wise, like walk me through what your nutrition looks like when you're traveling. You start every day with a coconut. (laughs) Ah, I love that. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Of course, it depends where you are in the world. But if I'm in anywhere that's tropical, always start the day with a coconut. Straight off the tree, if possible. When you get to some countries, uh, let's say some third world countries where you don't trust the the water so much and you don't really know if you can eat the fruit and vegetables, there are always the safe ones that you can always eat, which are the bananas and the coconuts and the mangoes and, and things like that. But eating healthy when you travel, 
it's not difficult. I think the bigger problem is you're exposed to so many different types of food when you are traveling that you just want to try everything. And you do need to have some uh, self-discipline. I think you're right, Daniel. And I think, like you said, it's very dependent on where exactly you're traveling. If you're traveling, for example, you know, in third world countries, India or Africa, then one of the tips that we used to put into practice, we would just eat where we'd see lots of local people eating, you know, because if people are eating there, the food's probably good. It's probably fresh. It's probably healthy. You know, they don't eat lots of junk food in these places. So that was one of our biggest tips. Just you see people eating, it's a good place to eat. Yeah, I find nutrition hard, actually, when I travel. And I think, I don't know why, like, I guess it's because there's just so much processed food where you go. And especially like the actual traveling part, like in between countries is really difficult. I think like once you actually get to your destination, it's easier to kind of like eat locally, eat seasonally, fresh fruit, fresh veg, and kind of like get into the habit of what people are doing around you for sure. I think the actual like in between traveling part is very difficult for myself. Um, I think think when it comes to the in between traveling part, like if you're on a long plane or a bus ride or so on and so forth, I think it's really important not to be too hard on yourself because you know that once you get your destination, you're going to be practicing healthy eating habits. So, you know, if you don't eat super healthy or you don't eat the best quality food for a day or two, then, you know, just not to be too hard on yourself. Go, you know, uh, don't stress over it too much because it's only a little blip on the radar at the end of the day. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. Um, and wherever you are, there's always access to some sort of fruit. If you are flying and you do have a meal on the flight, you can always select a healthier choice. You don't necessarily have to have the standard meal. You can always select a fruit meal or a vegan meal. And also something that, that I wanted to point out that was referring to travel and, and eating. Um, I was in Greece a few weeks back and there was a McDonald's. And literally across from the street from this McDonald's, there are maybe 10 or 15 mulberry trees. And I saw the mulberry trees and I was like in heaven. And then I was looking across the road and seeing people eating McDonald's and I'm all purple and and red from all these mulberries and they're eating that. And it's like, okay, this is a healthy choice versus the unhealthy choice. Yeah. yeah, Also recognizing plants and trees when you're around, if you can. Yeah, when I was in New Zealand, we had these blackberry bushes that grew beside the house we were staying in, and they were so good. I used to pick them all the time. So yeah, I think it's just... It feels different too when you did like that, no? Yes, it does. It feels very like wild and natural, and like Mm -hmm. you're just connecting to the earth compared to Mm -hmm. buying them in a store. There really is something to say about picking your own fruit and vegetables off the ground, Mm -hmm. like 100%. I remember that one time Daniel and myself were in Venezuela staying with a friend in the neighborhood and just had coconut trees everywhere. So we just, you know, we get up, walk out of the house and pick the coconuts straight off the tree. And, you know, nobody had any problem with that. Uh, the trees were for everybody. It was a really nice thing. Yeah. I think that aspect of food is missing really at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, at least in like, in very developed places, right? So the idea of like picking your own fruit and I I guess like vegetables or like nuts or whatever you have around you, it just seems like such a far away concept. Like, 
I don't know. I mean, I, and I guess that's kind of like what industrialization does and like having access to food and uh, like I get the industry side of it. Um, it's just interesting when you go back and do that. Like I, I used to work with a family that had like apple trees on their property and like picking apples in September. Yeah, it's like right. so nice. <laughs> and you don't even realize like how grounding and healthy it is until you start doing that again, I think. So yeah. There is um, a website, I think it's called Fallen Fruit, if I'm not mistaken. And basically, you can tag anywhere you are in the world where there's a, a tree or either a fruit or a vegetable. And it's an open public space and you can just take fruit from it. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, I'm going to look at that. That's awesome. Another thing that I find with nutrition with traveling is like fasting. So mm -hmm. I try and fast for a lot of my flights. And this, this helps, like it just helps to avoid the plain food and like just buying crappy, like processed food. So fasting definitely helps. It's hard though. It's hard when you've like booked your flight and it comes with a meal and you're fasting and they give you the meal. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, it depends if you're in practice, I guess. Yeah. I've been doing intermittent fasting for a while. So it's, you know, if it's a time when you're not supposed to eat, then you're not supposed to eat, huh? Yeah. As long as they hydrate it on the flight though. That's yes. important. Yeah. I, I guess you can also try and time your flights, like, you know, to have night flights maybe so you can go to sleep and you aren't exposed uh, to all the amazing airplane food smells that, you know, waft into the cabin when you're just uh, getting settled down. Yeah, exactly. Do you guys use any specific supplements when you're traveling or vitamins, minerals, anything that you find that's super helpful? Just, just vitamin C usually. I'm vegan. I do take B12, but besides that, um, I don't feel that my body needs it in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I definitely take the vitamin C um, in water when traveling. Yeah, water. yeah absolutely. Yeah. I feel even if you uh, do have relatively complete diet, whether you're vegan or not vegan, taking additional vitamin C is good, you know, especially because on planes, you don't know what kind of germs and what kind of crazy stuff you're going to get exposed to. And even when you land and you're wandering around, uh, you know, new population, new people, it's always good to have your immune system boosted as high as you can. Yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. It's definitely a nutritional thing, at least for me, uh, I can say when, when I went through periods where I wasn't eating well, I would get sick. But ever since being vegan, I don't recall being sick even once. Wow. Yeah. Right now, I even when I don't travel, every morning I take about 500 to a liter of water with vitamin C yeah. in it. And I honestly like never, never get sick. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's obviously, it could be the vitamin C, but I also think hydration is just such a key factor there. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. Like when you wake up in the morning, you're dehydrated, obviously, like you've been sleeping for eight hours or so just getting that water in before you get the coffee in is huge is so huge because Always. yeah like coffee is so great honestly there are benefits and there's also the downside and it is it can be dehydrating so if you get the mm -hmm. water in beforehand it kind of just like mitigates that and helps that a lot nice tip. that's a very nice tip i like that yeah you should um, actually the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is have a glass of water or even warm water with a little bit of lemon in it Mm -hmm. and then have your coffee about 45 minutes or an hour after you wake up. Yes, I actually just learned about that because it gives your cortisol enough time to like peak, whereas mm -hmm. if you have caffeine right when you wake up within the first hour, it can mm -hmm. like mess your cortisol and your stress hormones up for the day. 
So mm-hmm. really pushing that and pushing it an hour is like so easy. That is not a long time. So no, definitely not. An hour. Yeah. So when you guys are traveling, do you have coffee or do you have like alcohol on flight? Is there, is that just like well, a no, no. In general, I don't drink that much coffee. On days when I go swimming or work out, I'll have a coffee in the morning. But if, I, if I'm like on a, an off day or rest day, I don't drink any coffee or caffeine because I'm pretty sensitive. In terms of alcohol, when I fly, I'll have a little uh, drink if it's offered, but not like to get drunk and dehydrate on the flight, even yeah. if they give us free alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I know some people who will drink on flights and drink alcohol, and mainly because it just like helps you pass out, I guess, which sounds bad, mm-hmm. but it does. Some people get nervous when they fly also. So, yeah. you know, it, it helps them a bit, which, yeah. which also has its benefit. If, if you are a nervous flyer and the alcohol helps you out, then yeah, why not? Yeah, no, that's exactly it. So fitness wise, when you guys are traveling, like what does that look like? Is that something you struggle with or is that pretty easy as well? For me personally, I find it pretty easy in the sense of, I do a lot of yoga, so wherever I am, I mean, I need four foot by one foot, basically, and then I can practice and do what I want. Or when you travel, you do tend to walk a lot more. You're you're exploring, but I think it's always a good idea to do some stretches, even when you're flying. uh, Super important to stretch, to do a few exercises, stretch your calves, stretch your neck a bit, keep your body moving. I'm a bit more of a challenge when it comes to fitness when you're traveling. I don't do yoga. I swim. I've been swimming for years. So, you know, if I'm near a beach, no problem. If it's a city break or somewhere else, you got to find a pool. But in general, if I can't swim, then walking, like Daniel said, a nice little thing to do, which we've done several times, Daniel and myself, is just renting a bicycle and biking around the city. We did that in Barcelona. We did that in uh, Rhodes, in Crete also. It's a great way to uh, get around quickly bit of exercise and you can reach places that you wouldn't be able to reach if you're just walking so it's cool thing to do yeah no I, I love that so when you guys are on the plane like what type of you said you do stretches and maybe some yoga like what type of stretches are like your go-to for me personally it's always my my lower body mm. or my shoulders and neck some of the planes have those nice little uh, pillows that you can kind of, not pillows, but headrests that, that kind of like come out and you can rest your head against it. Yeah. On the newer planes. Yeah, the older planes don't have that. And I, I constantly find my neck kind of becoming a bit stiff. So yeah, a lot of like X stretches, uh, side to side, a little bit of like rotations and lifting up my calves, lifting up my heels just to flex the calves a little bit. I also feel it, it gets the blood moving a little bit more. Yeah. So I don't ramp up as much. Yeah. And like we said, drinking a lot, walk around the cabin. Yeah. Basic stuff. Yeah. What I tend to do is I actually will get up and go where the bathrooms are. Cause there's like that hall in between mm-hmm. there. And yeah. I'll actually do like stretches and like downward dog and just like different things mm-hmm. in there. Because especially on really long international flights, like I get really stiff and sore. Um, mm-hmm. And another great thing that, I, that I've started doing is like when even just like sitting, if you engage your glutes and try hold it for a minute, release for a minute, yeah. hold for a minute, that's really good for blood flow. And then same with your abs. Like if you flex your core, it's just really good to like kind of wake the muscles up again. And you can just do it, right? Like while you're reading or while you're watching a movie, you don't even have to like get up yeah. or anything. So For sure. But people become a bit lazy when they're at the airport. They just kind of just tend to sit there and then wait oh. and wait. 
and then get on the plane and sit there and wait and wait and wait. But you can be active. You can do things. Yes. Yeah. By the way, I, I believe that the word you were looking for is the galley, where you do your stretches and everything, right? Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yes, galley. I'm just calling it the airplane hall, you know, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm pretty obnoxious at the airports at this point. Like, if we're at our terminal and we're waiting like half an hour or whatever it is, I can't sit because I'm like, I have this flight coming up that I have to sit the whole time. So mm -hmm. I usually actually will sit in a different way on the floor or like stretch on the floor or like just do yoga right there. And like after you've done it the first time, you get used to people looking and then people, and then you just like stop. Yeah. You just stop caring. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you about that. If you ever felt self-conscious doing downward dog middle of the galley with all the flight stewardesses making the food, walking back and forth, you know? Yeah. You know what? Most of the time they totally get it. And they're like, that's so great that you're stretching. Like they're super welcoming about it. Like I've never had any issues. So what do you guys in general, like what do you guys struggle with the most with traveling? Like we've talked about supplements, nutrition, and fitness, but like if there was one thing that you find the most difficult in terms of health and traveling, like what would it be? I think, I think for me, it's sleeping. I'm a very sensitive sleeper and I suffer from jet lag. Also, I um, don't have a lot of caffeine because it affects my sleep cycles. So for me, just, you know, uh, being able to catch up on my, uh, on my sleep and being able to get into a routine once I land, changing time zones, for me, it's really, really difficult. It takes me a few days just to get back into the groove of things. Yeah. Well, regarding the flights, I think it makes a huge difference on the length of the flight. There's a big difference between a 12-hour flight and a 4-hour yeah, flight and 30-minute flight. Yeah. And then when you do get to your destination, I mean, if you're staying in a luxurious five-star resort, it's a lot different than landing somewhere and starting to look on Airbnb for something. And then, mm -hmm. oh, I don't like it or I do like it. It's not comfortable. So there are a lot of factors that go into this. But yeah, sometimes finding accommodation and comfortable accommodation is probably one of the biggest struggles, uh, I would say, for me. Maybe it's not only the sleep, but it's also the energy of the place. And I don't know if there's a construction site nearby. And, you know, sometimes it's not always comfortable. And that does definitely affect you. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. It's gotten what to the do you have challenges with, Brittany? Sleep is a really big challenge for me as well. And it totally does play a role in just how you can mentally handle traveling. I find yeah. when I sleep badly, I become very like irritable and my tolerance is lower. My patience is lower. Like everything is just not working. So sleeping on planes is something I definitely, definitely struggle with. And I'm not the best at, but I try and do all the biohacks for it and it does help, but it's, it's one of those things. But I was going to say, it's gotten to the point now when if I'm staying somewhere short term, um, hotel, resort, whatever it is, I only will stay places that have a gym. And like, it's just, and most places do now, like a lot of places are very, very like health conscious and like, especially the nice places, right? Most mm -hmm. of the time they have gym or like they have like yoga offerings and all of these things. But it's really just like choosing places that reflect the type of lifestyle you want to have when you're there. And then if you don't have access to a gym when you're at a place, like if it's an Airbnb, like someone's house or, or whatever, you can just go for walks outside and run outside and do workouts online. So th there are options, 
So it's really just like making any place work. But yeah, it's a balance, I think. We also live in the age of Google Maps and wherever you are in the world, you can just go and type in closest gym or yoga studio. And wherever you are, nothing is more than 10 or 15 minutes away. Yeah, exactly. That's and one thing I would I would like to go back to is one of the tips or one of the things that I do whenever I get to a place is I always do a grounding. So if I go somewhere, I'll one of the first things I'll do is I'll take off my shoes, um, be barefoot, and either stand on the sand or or dirt or grass or whatever, and just ground myself. And I feel that that makes a huge difference. Yeah, I definitely do that. I try to do that like right when I come out of the airport. Just, yeah, same thing, like grounding, getting accustomed to the time zone, like getting out in the sunlight or whatever it is, whenever it is mm-hmm. in the day or the night. I find grounding is the best thing for jet lag ever. Yes. A lot yeah, of people I say that. Very frequently. Yeah. A, a lot of people say that. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. Thank where, you. where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? Yeah. So you can find us at uh, Nature Remedies. The website is www.naturemds.com. If you're a client, if you're a consultant, we have a whole bunch of content. We put up new content every few days. Check us out. We have a whole bunch of different articles and consultants in various fields. Really easy to find us. You can find us also on Instagram, nature.remedies, and also on Facebook, obviously. Awesome. Well, I will definitely link everything we talked about in the show notes below. And thanks for all the like healthy travel tips. That's so great. Like it's, it's really inspiring. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah. No worries. Great. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I will link everything that they talked about in the show notes below and keep you guys updated about when I start taking clients soon. I'm really excited to start like developing my practice. It's been such a long time in the making and like a dream of mine. So it'll be really interesting to see how it comes together. But yeah, stay tuned for that.